0: Hello and welcome to episode 264 of the Extraordinary Moms podcast. So glad you're tuning in today. This is Jessica and I have another extraordinary mom to share with you today. My guest is Anna McFarlane, but you might know her better as Anna's the worst, kids are the worst, things are the worst, all of those Instagram handles. She's taken social media by storm by sharing her life, her tidbits, and most recently her social media advice to families of how to navigate this kind of uncharted territory with our kids and even with ourselves. Do you find yourself mindlessly scrolling and spending way too much time on social media or just using your phone in general? I know that's definitely something that I have been guilty of and continue to battle every day so I really want to get this better under control. So I'm excited to hear not only about Anna's motherhood journey, but what she has learned about social media and the tools that she has created for other parents to help navigate this road as well. She's a mom of four. She is truly extraordinary in every way. And I can't wait for you to hear from Anna about her motherhood journey and social media today. So let's get to it with Anna McFarlane. All right. I'm thrilled to be welcoming Anna McFarlane today. Hey, Anna. Hey, how you doing? I'm super, how are you? Doing really well. We are excited to be chatting. We put this together with a day's notice, but this has been a hot topic, especially lately. But um, for people that know you better online, your are is the worst, kids are the worst. How did all these Instagram handles come to be for you? So Kids Are the Worst was
1: the first one. Well, I had my own, but it wasn't called Anna Is the Worst at the time. But Kids Are the Worst was actually just a joke between friends. And we were just lamenting one night, you know, as mothers do when they get together about our kids and saying things that our kids had done. And, and so I would joke to just kind of calm the situation down. I'd say, oh, kids are the worst. Let's get rid of them. And then we'd all laugh because, of course, they're not the worst. Of course, we don't want to get rid of them. But sometimes you need that real dramatics To just kind of move forward and move on. And then I started it for fun because I was talking to a client of mine and they said, you know, how do you build a community? And I said, well, you know, we could take like what moms do is we try to help each other out and we say how our kids are being horrible and then we all laugh about it and we still feel like we could be better moms. So I actually started it to show a client how to build a community, thinking I would just do it for a month and then. That one got really fun and crazy, and I love it. It's one of my favorites, so.
0: Amazing, and so are you still the one posting on that every day? Yep,
1: yeah, it's just me.
0: Amazing, (laughs) yeah, so if you're a mom and you're looking for a way to to identify with, yep, we're all in this together, it's not easy for anybody, everyone has those back to school photos, everybody has that fill in the blank, right? It's just a way to build a tribe and a community, absolutely. I love that. So for people that may not know that much about your background, though, will you just share a little bit about yourself and your family?
1: Yeah. So um, I've been married almost 20 years, just had 19. So 19 years. Um, I'm, personally, I worked in marketing for almost the last 20 years. I've been a writer, an editor, um, marketing consultant, et cetera, et cetera. And I have four children. My oldest is 16. She's the only girl. And then I have boys 14, 12, eight. So we're in middle school, elementary school, and high school right now, which is super exciting and fun and crazy and all the feelings. Amazing. All around in one.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I you just turned 40, right?
1: I just turned 40 last week. And how's
0: it going so far? <laughs> so now
1: that I'm over 40, I feel really mature. <laughs> no, it was it was great. I mean, it was one of those things that I was surprised that I felt so awkward about it. Hmm. I don't know why. I just remember my dad turning 40 and he was old. Right. And I think it just kind of hit me that I was turning 40 and I'm not old. Right. How can I be old like my dad was?
0: I can totally relate to that. My dad and I share a birthday. And so when I turned 13, he turned 40. And so both were, you know, kind of milestone birthdays. And so we had a pink and black party. So it was the over the hill theme, it was the you're so old now kind of thing. And yeah, like I'm 34, and so, but I mean, six years is not that much longer to go till 40. And
1: it is though. It's a it long is. time. You've got plenty of <laughs> time. <laughs> I I thought I wasn't almost 40 until about four months
0: ago. And okay, just kind of hit 39 and a half. Yeah, way. yeah. <laughs> Hey everyone, before we jump into Anna's motherhood journey, I wanted to thank one of our show sponsors, Revolution Math. When it comes to math, the key to success is making it enjoyable, establishing a foundation that your children can grow from. I was a former elementary school teacher, and I know that worksheets and drill and kill is not the way to achieve that outcome. That's why Revolution Math is so amazing. So this is how it works. My son Parker was signed up for weekly classes where he met online in face-to-face interactive classrooms Three to four kids. They have the same live instructor every week, and they do fun math activities. It is so fun, engaging, and it almost feels like a video game to him. But he's learning math. You can enroll your student today and get your first month of classes for only one dollar. One dollar at RevolutionMath.com/EMP. That's RevolutionMath.com/EMP. Get your first month of classes for only one dollar at RevolutionMath.com/EMP. I don't know a better way to get started to test something out. Let your child give it a try for a month and see how they like it. It's way better than driving them to the local learning center. It's way more fun, and they're going to love Revolution Math as much as we do. Thanks for sponsoring the show. Let's go back to your early, early motherhood years. Remember when your first little baby was in your arms and you thought motherhood would be a certain way? Was it that way, or how did early motherhood unfold for you? Oh my
1: goodness. So 16 years ago, Mm -hmm. um, I, my, first of all, my baby was tiny. She was so small and she wouldn't eat and she just got smaller and smaller. She was down to five pounds and I felt so much pressure to breastfeed. I just felt this. I am doing something wrong if I can't give her breast milk because this was 16 years ago where the breast is best really was starting up and people were talking about it and I had people in my neighborhood who were just very passionate. And so I felt a lot from doctors and nurses, but I just felt a lot of pressure and she was not eating and I was crying and she was crying and she wasn't thriving. And I remember I had this light bulb moment was Christmas Eve (laughs) and I finally remember thinking what if she just ate what if she just ate Mm -hmm. and I did it the way that makes sense for her and for me and what if that's not through my breasts like it was Mm -hmm. just this so simple but it was like I was trying so hard to make something work that wasn't working for me or for her Mm -hmm. and I know that you know I've since talked to a lot of breastfeeding specialists and I understand there are a lot of different ways but at the time I needed for myself just to keep giving myself permission to trust what was best for me and best for my child and that day forward I just kept I knew I would have opinions about how it should go and how I should raise Mm -hmm. my kids but I also knew I had to give myself grace to allow myself to change and my children to change because I just you can't you can't know what it's going to be like. You can't know what each child's going to be like. And I had to allow that grace for myself and for my child so that we could grow together.
0: Yeah. And so, did overcoming that should, I should be breastfeeding my baby, did that influence the way that you viewed the rest of motherhood too, with letting yourself just parent how you intuitively would know how to parent your kids?
1: Definitely. I I think I looked back on it often just saying, okay, but remember that time where I was adamant that I was only going to breastfeed and then I didn't and she grew and she's okay. Like remember how I had to change for us to grow mm. or she had to change or whatever and so you know, you said should I don't know if it's something that I would love to say to my kids is stop shoulding all over yourself me too yeah
0: it's uh-huh. just
1: that I like to push it a little and yet they can't <laughs> say other words that are like stupid I'm like don't say that but I always say like don't say should all the time because you don't know you have to take the present as it is and make the best decision based on your experiences and your beliefs and your values and make the best because should
0: gets you in trouble it does it does and you can never predict that you're going to have the ideal set of circumstances with which to work so sometimes should does work and it is and it does work in your favor but if that's the motivating factor of why you are doing anything I think you're always going to feel like you're never quite reaching the level that you thought you were or the outcome you thought you were Totally. Mm -hmm. Totally.
1: Not to say that having plans are bad because Mm -hmm. we need to have plans. We need to have ideas. We need to have values, but we also have to give ourselves that grace and allow ourselves to change and not feel shamed based on what we thought we should do.
0: Mm -hmm. And I mean, after parenting for 16 years, I'm sure you've had many experiences where even the outcome may have surpassed what you thought it would be and what it would look like, you know, whether it's your family composition or what your kids have been able to do or achieve or you yourself, what what you've been able to do in your life. I think when we really put expectations on our future and cling really tightly to those those plans and those visions, sometimes we sell ourselves short of even what's possible because, I mean, you probably didn't know that you were going to be managing this huge Instagram empire, you know, because it wasn't even a thing 16 years ago right right well I
1: majored in English I always tell that to to youth when I talk to them now I say just do the thing that's best for you the major and don't worry so much about figuring out what you're going to be doing because Mm. as an English major I thought I was going to law school (laughs) now and then I went into marketing but social media wasn't a thing it didn't exist Mm. and now you know my my path has veered and swerved and moved and it gave me the tools and I wouldn't have been able to plan for that.
0: Yeah. So really focusing on what you can do to be the best you and learn the most today. Mm -hmm. It's really setting you up for success for that next step. Whatever it looks like you're more equipped for, for that door to open. Yeah.
1: Unless you want to be a doctor, then you should probably go go to medical medical school. school. I mean, but otherwise, (laughs) yeah. I mean, I definitely think, especially now uh, with things changing as fast as they do, I mean, not just social media, but everything changes so fast. The way we communicate, the way we raise our children, the way we feed ourselves. I mean, there's something new all of the time. And so for anyone, especially these young kids, trying to figure out who they are and who they're supposed to be is really overwhelming and it's not realistic. And so we just have to make the best decisions based on what we have today and keep moving forward, keep working hard, keep being kind, keep, you know, all those things and, and not worry about this future, whatever, because Mm -hmm. that's out of our control. But what we can control is our relationships now, our work now, how we, how we interact now.
0: Mm, I love that thought so much. And inevitably, you know, from your first to your fourth child, I'm sure you changed a lot as a parent. Can you identify anything that really shifted within you, aside from just following, you know, your own gut? Um, how are you different to your fourth child?
1: Well, you should ask that to my first child. She'll tell you a lot of things that are different. And I always thought, because I'm the fifth of six, and I remember thinking, I'm going to treat all my kids equally Mm -hmm. It's going to be fair. Mm -hmm. Everything's going to be fair. Yep, yep. And then I realized, oh, that went out the door pretty fast. But my fourth, bless his heart, um, he has not gotten in trouble nearly as much as the others. And now we're starting to see it a little now that he's eight. He's getting a little too sassy for (laughs) all of our likings. But I think I just let things go so much more easily. I was so concerned with the way my oldest one and two – acted and were perceived especially things like in church where it was just sit still and be good and you know what happens is I get anxious and I get upset and I you know worry so much that they are perceived as being good kids and and then you kind of had to let it go and realize that if I believe they're good kids and I treat them like good kids then they have a good chance of becoming good kids Mm -hmm. usually so with this with my fourth child I think I just I'm not as militant as I was and I probably am probably more of a pushover than I should be but
0: oh there's that should you don't have to be anything you don't want to be Anna
1: (laughs) I'm probably more than I Want to be. Sure. That's probably more. It is. Sure. It's
0: more than I want to be. <laughs> yeah. But. No, I hear you. I hear you. But do you think that by loosening the reins a little bit and letting them just kind of make more mistakes, maybe, or, you know, and learn things the hard way more, maybe than the helicopter version of us and our first child, um, you know, how do you think that's going to, to impact them long term? Because I don't think that they're any worse for wear, you know, when they can just learn the hard way sometimes.
1: Yeah, I think it's, I don't remember, someone told me years ago that they would rather their children make mistakes at home than away from home. Mm. And that just kind of has pushed the way I talk to my kids and teach my kids. I would rather them open every conversation, have every, uh, concern or question brought up in our home because now with my 16 year old she's a junior I see the time ending and it's very weird it's very weird to see that her her exit of my home Mm -hmm. is soon and it's have I done enough have I taught her enough and she's going to ask people questions and she won't be able to come home at the end of the day and and ask me and we could talk about it so I do feel like allowing them to not just make mistakes, but have questions and have that open. I mean, I wish I were always free from shaming. I think it's so innate in us to have Mm -hmm. shame because we feel shame, Mm -hmm. but I've tried so hard to remove that shame so that they can make those mistakes. They can get hurt literally and figuratively and then still feel loved and and welcomed but again i'm not dealing with like there's some real things people are dealing with i'm talking pretty basic things so i i feel that that's been good but again i've never really been a helicopter mom even though i like wanted my kids to behave well Mm -hmm. um they'll tell you i'm the last one to run to them when they fall off the bike Mm -hmm. and i've always been that way i don't know i'm just a slow starter (laughs) <laughs> I don't know what it is. But like when they fall off their bike, I'm like, oh, shoot. And other mothers are running to them. I'm like, oh, wait. Yeah, I should run <laughs> to see what's right. wrong. I don't know. So I've never been that type. But I have just – as a young mother, I was more worried about what other people thought.
0: Sure. Them, so, Yeah, and I was very quick to intervene. You know, if there's like a scuffle at the park, you know, I was the interventionist versus – Modeling and teaching my children how to work through those things, so that yeah, when they're out of my vision and when they're at school, or what, heaven forbid, when they leave my home at eighteen, blah, that they have the skill set to know how to problem solve and work through it. Totally. Because I don't need to be their solution. I mean, right? Because you're not. The solution can be love from me. You know, they yeah. can always expect that solution from me, but it's not going to be that I'm going to be able to bubble wrap them and carry them through this life. It's it's up to them and it's up to me to help equip them to do that properly. That's hard. Yeah. It's hard, but it's I don't know. It's worth it. It's worth it to invest in that. So <laughs> you have become very passionate about social media. It's been something that you have loved and grown a following and um, over the last few years. And I'm sure it's been very exciting. But through that, you've also learned a lot about the pros and the cons and the highs and the lows, I'm sure. Can you just tell me what your experience has been over the last several years as social media has evolved to become more and more a part of our lives and how it's impacted you and what you've learned and now what you want to share?
1: Oh, sure. So I think just being in marketing and in messaging for so long and kind of understanding how an audience reach it, how you reach an audience and how an audience receives messaging and marketing, it's been, it's been really... Um, it's been really helpful for me. And I think what happens is that when we study something and know something really well, we have we assume other people know these things, right? So I just assume that people know that there are that there are IPs, so internet providers that are tracking what you do online. Because I've I've known about them for so many years because that's how, you know, when I've done SEO for Google. So that's like search engine optimization. That's how you know the right words to use to get to an audience. And because I've been doing that piece for 10 years, I just assume that everybody knows about SEO. And so they're going to be careful about what they write and what they search. And the more I would talk to people about things, the more I realized that, a lot of us are just using the internet and not understanding the internet. We're using it as this really great tool and then suddenly we see a little bit behind the, the curtain and we're going, wait, wait, what's happening? And all the while we've been using it, not realizing it's, the behind the curtain has been moving consistently the whole time. So I remember on Facebook once, someone wrote something about the ads they were getting. And they were blaming Facebook for the ads. And it was pretty, it was was a pretty bad comment that they said that showed a little bit more about their search than they wanted people to know. So, you know, I messaged them and said, okay, you need to delete this. This is actually revealing a lot about yourself. And I don't think you mean to, you know. and, And the more I would talk to parents and to people, I realized we as a whole don't understand the tool that we're using so often in our lives. So not only do I like using it for marketing, which I just think is so fascinating how to reach an audience. It's so powerful, it's better than ever, that we can use our energies and our resources to reach people. It's just so exciting and overwhelming and, and fascinating. But at the same time, we also just the everyday user needs to understand their usage is impacting their lives and what they see and what what is happening To them online. I don't think people really grasp that. And so I kind of started talking more and more about it. And then it's just evolved more and more into just social media with families and with kids because parents need to understand what their kids are using.
0: Yeah. So can you break down for somebody that's not well-versed in this world and in this speak when I'm getting on social media, Instagram in particular, let's just say, and I'm scrolling multiple times a day and I'm spending hours sometime on my phone. What is that doing to me as I'm seeing all that I'm seeing?
1: So everything that we do to interact, um, everything we search, everything we like, everything, everyone we follow, every account we follow is attached to what's called our online persona. So our online persona is as real as our physical persona and it lives on the internet. So there is someone attached to you, Jessica. You are Jessica Online. Your persona online exists and it's real. And they know they know who you're following, what you're tapping on, the hashtags you search and the the stores that you're looking at. And even down to the text messages you're sending and the words you're sending, not green text messages, but blue eye messages. Are used on the internet. So all of those things, direct messages, anything that you've typed in is connected to your persona, and that's how they know who you are. So when we get on Amazon and they're suggesting, I don't even know, they're suggesting Beats headphones. Mm-hmm. And we're like, How did they know we wanted Beats headphones? And we think it's really creepy, but it's not. It's because we have been creating this persona so that Insta or so that the internet knows how to sell to us, how to market to us, how to connect with us, all of these things. And, and people think it's really scary. It's actually can be scary, but it's also really awesome. I, I, I equate it to like a catalog. And I don't know if you were like me, but when I was young, I would look through an entire catalog. And I would circle things I want every mm-hmm. single page of the catalog. And I never got any of them, but I spent so much time looking at catalogs. How amazing is that? You cannot get someone's time anymore like that. Like a brand cannot get you to look at their entire catalog every month. It's impossible. We just don't have the time for it. So what the internet has done with our personas is they understand who we are and they offer things to us based on our use. So it saves us time. If we use it well, it actually saves us time, and it makes things easier for us, and it collects things and shares things with us so that we have more time to do intentionally, hopefully, Mm -hmm. other things Mm -hmm. in this world. Instead of spending hours and hours over a catalog trying to find that one perfect shirt, they just offer up perfect shirts, and then we get to choose one out of five. So a lot of things about it are really great, Mm -hmm. but a lot of things about it are also Scary if we aren't equipped with the knowledge and the tools to understand that it's happening,
0: Mm. right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think so much of our conversation is wrapped up on setting technology and screen limits for our kids. Mm -hmm. And I think there's way less of a conversation on technology and screen limits for us. Are you, you, do you you agree with what you're seeing?
1: Oh, definitely. And it's tricky because, you know, I have this conversation a lot with people, but it's hard because some of us, are online for our jobs. like, And I'm not Mm -hmm. talking about just me and social media and marketing, but I'm talking about people who are creating software and creating, I mean, all the things. There's so many jobs and businesses online, but it does create this like weird attachment where we don't know how to separate when we're being productive and working, when we're shopping specifically to get something, and when we're just perusing and wasting time and using it for only uh, time, time sucks, like time wasting. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't know how to separate all of those things because it's so accessible and because it is the phone. I mean, the phone is so amazing what it offers. Like it's dictionaries, maps. Um, obviously it's our time. It's connecting with people. It's, I mean, we can go on and on Like people tracking what they eat, uh, how much money they're spending. I mean, things that, our parents, parents' generation would just die how much we can fit into one little thing. Like a compass. I mean, there are just so many things. A calculator. There are just like hundreds and hundreds of reasons why this phone is fascinating. But we also because it does so much for us we also use it more than we even would have had we had all of those things separately. Because it's so accessible we almost don't know when to put it down and just walk away from it because there's just so much going on inside of it. We can justify it all day
0: long. Hey everyone, you may have noticed a slight change of our sound quality um, around minute 19 and that's because My son started playing piano very loud and I had to go from doing this recording in the office to doing it in the bathroom. So it'll be a little echoey from here on out, but hopefully you can hear it just fine. Isn't Anna awesome? I wanted to thank one more show sponsor and it is Canvas People. We all have our favorite photos, the ones we cherish and adore. So here's a question. Wouldn't you love to see those special photos somewhere displayed proudly on your walls and not sitting on your phone or computer? How many times have you thought, yeah, I'm going to print out my photos and you don't get to it? Take advantage of Canvas People's easy service where they will send your canvases to you, museum-quality, beautiful prints that you can hang on your walls with little effort. I just ordered my family photo the other day, and it literally took me five minutes on their website. No joke. I uploaded the photo, chose what size I wanted, entered my shipping address, and I know it's going to get to me in about a week easy as pie. I know you're going to love Canvas People as much as I do, and so I have a special code that you can use to get a free 11 by 14 canvas. Yeah, 11 by 14 canvas from Canvas People for free. That's a $69.99 value. All you have to do is pay shipping and handling. To get your own 11x14 canvas, just visit canvaspeople.com and enter the special code EMP. That's EMP if you go to canvaspeople.com. Hope you take advantage of that awesome offer. Let's get back to it. I'm just looking up Every a recipe. Hour. I'm just yeah. Googling where like the phone number of the medical thing. But then with one more app, like one tap away, suddenly I'm back. I'm back in it, you know?
1: Uh, the worst is when you look at your phone for the time. For yes. the time.
0: Yes. It is, and it should be on that home screen, but somehow you need to click in. It's just baffling. And so even knowing as much as you do, do you still face Periods of time where you get sucked back in and you slide back into bad habits or things like that. How do you know you're in those traps and, and those times and how do you get yourself out of it?
1: Yeah, I think we all, I think we all do. I mean, I, I set time limits and, and I set uh, boundaries for like clients and for my own accounts. But there are times when I have just found myself mindlessly scrolling and some, somehow, you know, when you go back, you swipe back. And you just think you're going to get back to your homepage, like on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And somehow you've clicked on one person that's clicked on another, that's clicked on a brand, that's clicked on another, that you're watching their stories and you clicked on something and you swiped up and you're like, oh, I'm just going to go back to my homepage. And you go nine or 10 times. You think, how long have I been on this? Like, how long have I been mm-hmm. in this vortex? Really? It just sucked away. Like, I didn't even care about eight out of nine of those things. And yet... I, yeah, I'm on all of them. Right. So I think we all have to do assessments. And I always suggest like a weekly assessment. I do it with my kids, but I also do it with myself. Mm-hmm. So I say, you know, I talk to my kids, like, what's going on? You know, we check in every week. What are you on? I've, I can track how much time they're on, you know, their phones and things. And we talk about, are you, are you getting concerned about anything? Did you see anything? All that stuff. But then I do the assessment for myself. And mm-hmm. I have, you know, just six questions that I ask myself. Um, how do you feel like your time was used this week? Do you feel like you were on the phone too often? Do you feel like you were productive? You know, and these things, I, and I'm just asking myself so I can be really honest with myself. And I'm not doing it every day where I start lying to myself. That's another thing is I'm very strong and passionate about being honest with yourself because we lie to ourselves more than anybody. And so if I'm really, I gotta be really honest with myself, but I can only do it once a week. Otherwise I just start feeling bad. I start like guilting in myself going, oh, what did I do? But once a week I say, okay, this is how I feel. This is what I want to do this week. I set my intention for the week, set my goals for the week. And if I feel like I've been in a bad space, which sometimes happens if I've slid back into a bit more wasting my time. And I say, okay, I'm going to set a timer Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And I set my timer, you know, 20, 30 minutes. And then when it goes off, I have to turn off the count I'm on or turn off the app I'm on or whatever. And
0: then move to the next. That is so smart. And I totally set timers for my kids. And I do not set timers for myself. And I do not hold myself to the same standard that I hold my kids to. And then I nag them to get off. Why aren't you getting off? Quick. Hurry. That's 30 minutes. Ew. Like, Mm. I I cannot expect more from my kids than I expect for myself. I just can't. And and
1: sometimes with my kids even will say, like, okay – I'm going to get on just for fun. You, are you guys, you know, it's like usually after school, if they want like a quick break, a couple of them, like they'll get on the Nintendo or they'll want to watch mm-hmm. a little TV show. They just want a little bit. And I have to be careful not to say, just go do something else. Cause you know, I want them mm-hmm. to have real lives, but I realize it's also just sometimes something they need to work out and figure out the time they're on. So I say, okay, we're setting a timer for the family. And then when it's all mm, I'm off.
0: Mm, and it I like just kind of
1: helps me without me saying, See, I'm doing it too. I say, Okay, we're all off in 30 minutes. And mm. then they don't feel that looking at you going, Wait, you're still on your phone, you're still on your computer, and I have to go play outside.
0: You know, like it just that. helps
1: them without the specific telling them what you're doing, they've noticed. They see yeah. you got off with
0: them. I like that family timer idea. And I've heard the same thing for reading. You know, you know, yeah. I have little kids still, eight, six, and three. So we're still on the cusp of all this coming up. And so that's why I want to be really intentional and educated as we're making these decisions and as we are developing habits and everything. And you know, it, as they're learning to read, sometimes they don't want to read because they're not very good at reading. Like, we all start that way. And so 20 to 30 minutes feels like a lot. But if we're all reading, if I'm sitting on the couch with a book too or reading with them, whatever, if everybody's doing it, peer pressure them into good things. And <laughs> and it's totally. a great family time. I love that. And so a lot of people have questions about the magic age to give your kids phones and devices and all of these things, and I would venture to say you don't have a magic age. But what is what is preparatory to preparing your kids for whether it's their own screens, whether it's getting them social media, things like that? What kind of foundation do we need to lay first?
1: Yeah, so that's the trick. You're right. Like numbers, everyone wants a black and white line so that they can decide if they're on which side they're on. You know, so if I say eight, then everyone goes, "Oh, no, 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 no. it's way later." So then, you know, you just don't even connect with, with all the knowledge. So no, I don't Mm -hmm. have a number, but I say, as soon as your child is old enough to turn on a tablet by themselves or a phone by themselves, then we need to start talking to them about internet safety. Mm -hmm. So this is before they, they have any access alone time, you know, there's internet safety. And I think because we saw the beginning of the internet you know and we see where it is now we almost assume our kids know about strangers on the internet we assume that they understand all of these things and what's safe and what's not but they don't so we have to spell it out for them we have to be very very specific and we have to talk about the feelings they have when they see things i'm always talking about um, the uncomfortable in in one of my guides i talk about with little kids you say have you ever had pants on that were too tight and you sat down and it really hurt because it was just so tight? You know, kids can identify with those types of sensations. that we talk about something that is very uncomfortable. And that is how we feel on the inside when we see something that makes us feel sad or scared or uncomfortable in any ways. And, you know, we kind of talk about things that adults do and things that, you know, are inappropriate for children, they will feel uncomfortable on the inside. And we have to talk to our kids about these things because they have to know that they are not bad, that there are things that they will see and so they can come to us. So we have to have these conversations, have this communication so that when our kids are slowly going to be seeing more and more and doing more and more, that they know how to talk to us about it so that our personal family, individual, Um, benchmarks are, are reached together, you know, so I can't say it's eight because there are kids that have access at their preschool. Right. You know, someone just messaged me actually this morning and said their four-year-old has to bring in their own tablet. No, they sign. Yeah. And they sign some waiver that they will be responsible as a four-year-old.
0: Wow. And so,
1: so this, parent has to figure out how to talk to this child you know they it they might take them out i don't know they got to decide but but it's not going to be the same thing for everyone and and maybe in your home you don't have tablets and you don't have phones and you don't have computers but i guarantee your children will see things they will find access to things they will walk along a street and a screen will play something or they'll be at their friend's house or wherever and so we have to start that first that foundation of conversation and trust Mm -hmm. and letting them know that these things are going to happen give them the expectation in a way that they understand it and then help them feel comfortable talking to you about it like I think that is above everything more than like saying okay get this app to protect your phone or Don't be on tablets till you're 12 or whatever. I think the most important thing is that conversation and that empowerment for your child to know the feelings they're feeling, know what they're seeing, and know how to talk to somebody about it. That's, Mm -hmm. to me, that's, that's it, that's the tool.
0: Yeah. Oh, those are great tips. Those are great tips. And you've come up with the Smart Kids Guide to the Internet and Family Social Media Guide. So if I'm listening and I'm not sure which of those would be a better fit, can you give like a brief elevator pitch on both of those and kind of who it's for?
1: Yeah, I mean, for you, it would be the Smart Guide. Yes. But um, if if your child is can start a tablet, can open something up, so usually about the age of three, um, until they're about 12, the Smart Guide. So okay. people get a little concerned because the um, the social media guide says 11 to 18, but that's for anyone who, these children who really want to have a social media account or who already have a social media account. So I have a 12-year-old. He does not have a social media account because in our home, the rule is 13 minimum. That's mm-hmm. the minimum age. That doesn't mean you get it at 13. Okay. That's my 14-year-old. It took him forever and he was really mad about it. <laughs> but- 13 is the minimum. And so he doesn't have it, but he's also not interested in one. Like Mm -hmm. no interest right now. I mean, he wants a phone for games, but that's not happening either. But if kids start showing interest, they need to start figuring out the social media ins and outs. And that one just really breaks it down and it's much more mature. But I'll just say really quick about the smart guide. Um, We did it with our whole family. My kids, eight to 16, just a few months ago again we went through it and we signed the contract at the end and yeah I had to change a little bit of the verbiage to um, not sound so elementary to my 16 year old and 14 year old Mm -hmm. but the premise is the same it's we all need to be reminded of these things of what's safe usage what's smart usage why we should get off our tablets and all those things Mm -hmm. so that's what I would say is like if you're just talking about safety and conversation than the smart guide but if you're talking about kids who really want to be on social media and start sharing and posting they need the social media guide
0: thank you for creating those resources i mean i just think there are so many parents that feel really overwhelmed and paralyzed and then they do nothing right and they don't do they don't lay the groundwork and then suddenly you know oh yeah my kid's 14 that they can probably have a social media go ahead And then there's no basis there for any type of understanding. And then they're putting out fires instead of, you know, building from the ground up something that's healthy.
1: And if I could, like, write down every story I've heard about those who have avoided. Quote quote, unquote, avoided social media accounts and then found out that they didn't Mm -hmm. because their kids had access or their kids saw something anyway and they didn't. They just told their kids no Instagram, no Facebook, no Snapchat, no social media, no phones, dumb phones only. Then they don't have those tools to talk to their kids anyway. It's not just like about having a social media account, it's knowing what it is and why, what the power is in your hands. It's just empowering, right? It's Mm -hmm. not. It's not, yeah.
0: Yeah, and how to use it, right. Absolutely. Oh, I just love that so much. That's amazing. Well, I love what I'm hearing more than anything, too. This is not just about social media. It's about developing great communication with your kids and having conversations earlier than you might even think to establish a norm of, you can come to me. I'm not going to shame you. I'm not going to, you know, embarrass you or no question is off limits. Like, you are safe here in creating a home of safety. Is there anything else that you've really learned over your 16 years of parenting where you try to be really intentional about doing this or teaching this to your kids?
1: Um, I have kind of like four things that I tell my kids every time. I said, like, I don't care if you get married, if you have kids, if you have a successful job. You know, when we think of our kids as adults, we have this like picture of who they are and what success means. Mm -hmm. And I tell them, I don't really care about any of that because to me, that's not what makes a successful human. So I want four things from them. And we talk about it all the time. I want them to work hard. If they know how to work and they work hard, they'll be successful in whatever they do, whatever they choose. But we have to teach our kids how to work. Mm -hmm. And so that to me is really important is that they work and they work hard. The second thing is that I want them to take care of their bodies, that all of our bodies are gonna look different, but we have to be healthy, we have to eat well and exercise and not do anything to look a certain way and not hurt it in any way. So respect the body you have. The third thing is I want them to be kind. If they are kind to people, if they're understanding if they listen to people, that kindness outweighs anything we say, like if you wanna be happy, do this. My belief is if you wanna be happy, be kind. Mm. And the kinder you are, it always comes back at you. And, and so it's just look out for people, find someone to be kind to. I mean, those that's the third. And the fourth one for me is to believe in God and whatever that looks like for them. They might not believe my religion. They might find something else, but I want them to believe in something bigger than they are and to find purpose in this whole world, in this whole life, that if they have if they have a purpose in 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 believing something, and they work hard, and they take care of their body, and they're kind to me, that is the most successful person you can be. And so I'm constantly saying, like, "Hey, don't sweat this. Is this one of the four things? Is this what's important in your life? Like, will this make you successful? Do you think my love is contingent on what you're talking about, or is it maybe simpler than that? Is it maybe just four of the, the four things? And they, you know, then they go yeah, this isn't really part of the four. I'm making this big, you know, just Mm. helping them see that that to me has been, I didn't know that going in, I going into parenting, they were all going to play sports, play instruments, (laughs) get good grades, go on all the dances and dates, you know, and I was going to have enough money by the time I was 40 to have everyone have cars and bikes and trips. (laughs) That was funny. That was a good dream. Anyway, (laughs) that that was cute. But But the other thing is like, I realized, no, that's, that's not a success. They're different. They've got to figure this out. And the only way I can help them is if I give them tools that they can use, regardless of their circumstance, regardless if they're ill, regardless if they're lonely, regardless, you know, you have four things you can control and then you'll be successful. And Mm. that's kind of what we've gotten it boiled down to in 16 years.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing those four. And, you know, so for somebody listening, they could definitely steal some of those four, but what are your four, you know, or what are your five? What are your things that you value most? You want to be intentional about and everything you do should really revolve around those key values, whatever they are to you. And totally. That can make you feel really successful. I'm curious. Um, did you just hook up with natalie Norton in Europe? Oh yeah. Oh, fun. Yeah. So
1: yeah, we saw each other in Hawaii and then we were on the boat in
0: Greece. Cool. I thought I saw that. Yeah. So natalie was on the show a year ago or so. And usually at the end of the episodes, I say, like, I think you are so extraordinary to my guest. And I mean that generally I don't invite people on that I don't think are extraordinary. And you don't need to be perfect to be extraordinary. And I think you're extraordinary. And I think Natalie's extraordinary. But she's the only one who has ever not deflected my compliment of extraordinary. So she's like, I think we're all extraordinary. I think we're all doing important, meaningful work. And when we're doing our best, yep, we're extraordinary. So I'm curious to have you answer that question. When you put your head down at night, I see, from my perspective, you being so intentional, so loving, creating such wonderful foundations for creating happy family and kids how do you feel when you put your head down at night about the job you're doing
1: yeah I mean I I love when my day is just slammed I do I love when it is so full that I put my head down and think wow that was amazing. But I also love having days where I, I think, what in the world did I do today? Like, did I get anything done? And I think that whole thing is having grace with yourself. That Again, it's just appreciating what you've done and what you can do and, and just allowing yourself to feel that extraordinary, allowing yourself to say, I did something today or I did nothing and I loved it and being totally okay with that. I mean, sometimes I go, you know, and put my head down. I think I did not handle that situation with my child well. You know, that was not how I wanted that to go down. And and instead of you know wallowing in that, instead of think, okay, I did that. There's nothing I could do. What can I do about it tomorrow? And I make a little bit of plan tomorrow. But I think it's just that that grace and you, like you said, like seeing the extraordinary in yourself. That's the worst thing we can do. You know, it's against the four things again. It is. is Telling yourself that you're not that you're just anything, just
0: yeah just a mom,
1: just a mom, just mm-hmm. just a just a, a woman, just you know, or I just spent too much time on Instagram. Oh well, now what? You know, like mm-hmm. let it go. Feel that confidence and that love in yourself. Give yourself grace and and find a few good things that you did, and just be like, that was awesome. I'm awesome today. You know, I, I, we all go through ebbs and flows, but but it's within us to find, find that extraordinary and just give ourselves that allowance to, to bask in it for just a minute at night. Just put your head down and be like, that was cool that I did that. Because <laughs> nobody's 24 hours is amazing.
0: No. Nobody's. No. And that's why, like, your weekly check-in, like, you know, in, yeah. in, even in terms of, like, eating. On a day-to-day basis, you might, like, really beat yourself up. But over the week, like, did I nourish my body well? Chances are most of us are really trying hard at that, you know? And so, you know, a dessert here or whatever your choice is. On the whole, you're doing better than you think you are on a day-to-day basis. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, kids, like, did yeah. I yell at
1: my kid today? Yeah, and I'm not stoked about it. But all week, did I give yeah. them more hugs? I yes. gave them way more hugs than yells. Yes. And did I stop them and look them in the eyes and say something I loved about them? Yeah, I did. So, you know, it's, it's just taking inventory of the positives just as much as... How can I be a little
0: better? Yeah, and I heard from somebody else who said, your worth is not based on your worthiness, you know? And sometimes we may not feel our very best or worthy or we may mess up, but your worth stays the same. And we're all incredibly valuable in ourselves. So are our kids. Okay, Anna, where can people find you online? Well, I'm
1: I'm all over Instagram as you pointed out. <laughs> Thank
0: <laughs> so you. Kids
1: are the worst. Anna is the worst. Things are the worst. Dogs are the worst. I don't know. It's all over. <laughs> I have way too many. I shouldn't even list them. Um, I also have a few websites. The social guides are at familysocialguide.com, dot com, mm-hmm. and then anna mcfarland dot com. Okay. It should be live this week. For, oh. Like that's just for marketing purposes but cool. like, if anyone needs
0: help with that type of thing but amazing yeah. hey do you want to give away any guides I'd love to do you want to give away three and then they can choose which guide fits them perfect oh you're amazing okay we'll do that over on Instagram because that's where we cool. hang out um, and so people can head over to um, my feed and okay. they can win that that's awesome thanks awesome. okay yeah. I always ask my guests just one final question and it's this Anna what would you tell your pre motherhood self
1: Oh, boy. Um, I would tell her, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. Like, just remember it. Like, it's, yeah, it's hard, but you're going to love it. Because I have. Mm -hmm. I, I can honestly say, not just looking back at my day at night, but just looking back on the last 16 years, it's just been good. I've been really blessed. It's been really hard. But I have loved
0: it. You're doing a lot right, Anna. <laughs> you, too. you really are. Thank you so much for sharing all that you shared yeah. in this conversation. Thank you for what you put out online for these resources. Instagram, social media—it can all be used for good, and uh, in your in your proof of that. Um, and so, I just loved it. Thanks for making the time this morning. Yeah, thanks so much. Isn't Anna just amazing? Oh, I loved hearing more about her motherhood journey. And I loved hearing her background in marketing and how that's really influenced the way she approaches social media and how she can help all of us to do a little bit better job at setting the stage for healthy consumption in our own family And it really starts with us, guys. If you feel in the social media trap, if you feel too attached to your phone, I challenge you to really look at your behaviors and habits that you've established. You may not even be aware of how much time you're spending on your phone, but I guarantee it's more than you think it is, probably, most likely, for 99% of us. I know it is for me. And then come up with a plan so that Your kids know that they matter more than your phone, that the real life relationships you have matter more than the online relationships that you have while scrolling. And I heard from somebody the other day on another podcast, they said the social has kind of been lost in social media. Now we just scroll, 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 and we're hardly even engaging anymore with the people that we're following. That's not what it was created for. And now that there's way more following of people that we don't actually know and way more selling online and things like that, it's definitely changed. So for the people that really matter, for the updates you love getting, make sure you're engaging with them and being actually social with those people or else it's kind of a time suck and a time waste. But if you are affirming the people that you love in real life or the people that you admire online, if you're commenting and reading the other comments for other ideas of how to really enhance your life, that is being social. So even if you're an introvert, extrovert, that doesn't matter. What matters is that you're using social media as a social platform to connect. So really think about how you're using that. So if you want to follow Anna online, Anna is the Worst, uh, all of those feeds, you can go over to ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com. That's all linked right there for you. She's so kind. She wants to give away three of her guides, and you can choose which one that you want depending upon which season of life you're in. If you head over to my Instagram, and there'll be a picture of the giveaway guides and a little caption that says, giveaway you can enter to win the giveaway right there. All the instructions are there and the giveaway will run for a few days this week and we'll pick three winners at the end of the week. Sound good? Also, coming up this Friday, we have a fantastic episode for you. Jessica Turner is coming back. She's a previous author that was on. She wrote The Fringe Hours and now she is back. She has written her second book called Stretched Too Thin and it really focuses on helping working women to feel not stretched too thin, the opposite of that, to feel thriving and like they have abundance in their life. She has experienced that as a working mom herself and whether you work outside of the home or not, I think we all can learn a lot about balancing our priorities and prioritizing our values better with the help of this book. So she's coming on to chat about that. So I hope you'll tune in this Friday for that. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at Jessica JessicaDolquist3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Thanks, Anna for coming on the show. Love you guys so much. Make sure you're subscribed. Leave a review. I would love it if you would share this episode. Screenshot it where you're at. Tell everybody why you love the podcast, why you love Anna. This is important information that I feel like needs to get into the ears of every mom out there because we all need help in this area. I know that I do. So I'd love it if you'd share and be sure to tag me as well. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And we'll see you next week for another episode with another extraordinary mom. Bye.